So what if instead of focusing on trying to figure out alcohol, you tried to figure out yourself. You learned how to do all of the things that you think alcohol is doing for you, but better. You tapped into really understanding what the messages from your body meant and how to use your emotions to your advantage and how to really expand your desires to get what it is you finally really want and have real, lasting, sustainable pleasure. That is possible for you, and it is all available to you in the self-study course, The Naturally Sober Woman. It is everything that I teach my one-on-one clients, but it is compact for you, lifetime access on demand at a super affordable price available to you right now. You're going to go to my website, marywagstaffcoach.com, right there. It'll say self-study course or follow the link in the show notes right here. Get in there. One short video, just the welcome ceremony. There's a commence, a beautiful commencement ceremony that really anchors you into your intention for wanting to make this change into your life will change your life forever. It'll put you on a trajectory of new possibility because the bigger your desire is, the easier it's going to be to say goodbye to alcohol. So go on over to my website, get inside of the Naturally Sober Woman, and I will see you in there. Welcome, welcome. My name is Mary Wagstaff. I am a life coach who ended a 20-year relationship with alcohol without labels, counting days, or ever making excuses. In this podcast, we will explore my revolutionary approach to quitting alcohol that breaks all the rules, amazing stories from women who are throwing a better party because of it, and how you can stop drinking and start living. This show is not a substitute for rehabilitation, medical treatment, or advice, so please talk to a health professional if your alcohol consumption is a risk to your mental or physical health. Now on with the show. Hello, my beautiful listeners. It's Mary Wagstaff. I am so thrilled to have you here. I feel inspired and really excited about this week's episode. And this is our third week already in the 40 Days to Freedom from Alcohol. It is taking your life from a life of self-sabotage where you might not feel very in control, especially around your relationship to alcohol, and taking you on a sacred journey of self-discovery. So I couldn't be more thrilled to be offering this at this time. And this is the magic of so much coaching and especially the coaching that I do around alcohol is my essential five shifts and then these five weeks um, of 40 days to freedom from alcohol where we go a little bit deeper into some just more spirituality, more spiritual aspects of who we are and really looking at it from that place of sacredness that why are we doing this work? It's so important because it is the framework for how we see everything. It is the framework for how we solve every problem because the more we are able to show up to confront our triggers or that which we have resistance to, we can make real change in the world and in our own personal lives. And so I remember even just a couple of years ago, um, even though I'd been studying this work for so long, you know, there is a process and I don't think that I had had the concentrated 
um, daily work of self-coaching so much that I that I have over the last couple of years. But you know, I would see a trigger or I would be confronted with an emotion and I would run and I would hide. And that's no way to live our lives. You know, we are capable of so much more than we think we are able to. And this is why I love the practice of yoga because it challenges us first physically that the, the body is so much more capable of holding a pose, you know, than the mind thinks it is. The mind is always ready to bail quicker than the body um, is able to hold the pose. And that's just the first piece of it. And that's why the science of yoga is so brilliantly designed because it works with the practitioner from the outer layers in because we have our most direct experience with the physical tangible 3D um, and then you work into the more subtle layers of the self. And so you guys are really doing some advanced work in this 40 days to freedom. And I hope that you show up to do it. And if you're just tuning in, it's not too late. These concepts are universal. They last the test of time. You can go back and simply listen to the episodes. They're not very long. And there's some corresponding questions and work that you could do throughout a week um, if you wanted to really just pick your relationship with alcohol to start examining that. So the first week we answer the call. We say yes to examining this relationship, simply committing to show up to do the work no matter what it takes. Last week we talked about confronting the story. So all of those things that we have hid from that we weren't even able to see, um, you know, I always say this, that we are born into a story that's created for us. Um, you know, all of these constructs from society to our parents, um, and then it just goes from A to B to C, you know, schooling and our development, all of these things are happening simultaneously. And then we get to a point where we're drinking every day and we don't have any clue about taking a care of our emotional health and our emotional well-being and how to process and feel emotions. And um, I am definitely an advocate for therapy, but as we know, therapy, and this is in my base in my experience, um, can keep us in that place of confronting the story and looking at it over and over and over and over and over again so that we can understand our, you know, ourself and our emotional body. And I think that there are lots of things that exist and trauma can be deep and run deep, but there is a point too, even as you're continuing to confront the story that you can emerge, that you can start to claim personal responsibility for where you're at now and where you want to take this information, what you want to do with that confronting of that story, whatever it is. And for you, it's your relationship with alcohol. But as we know, there's no like, there's layers of it, but we're just going to look at that. Alcohol, you are ready to change it. You have confronted the story of what you're making it mean about you. And that's why so many people decide not to look further and they just accept it as their fate because they make it mean something about them, that it means that they're an alcoholic or they're shameful. And then this creates this amazing thought spiral that creates unwanted emotion. And then from that place, we have nothing to do but want to run and hide and there's nothing inspiring us into action. So today, week three, we are claiming personal responsibility. This is that state of emergence. It has the quality kind of of the waxing moon that I've talked about before, a gaining energy 
from that which was released by the shadows of confrontation. So we spend so much time hiding something and it takes up so much of our precious energy. But now that we've confronted it, now that we can say, you know, simply calling a thing a thing, sometimes that's all it is. It's just saying like, you throw your hands up and say, you know, yep, I don't like this anymore. And when I changed my relationship with alcohol, I didn't feel the need to talk. I didn't hide it, but I didn't come out and say like, I'm doing this. When it came up, I would simply say, I'm examining my relationship with alcohol. And more times than not, I know I've talked to you guys about this before, that um, people would say, you know, it's something I want to look at too, me too, or they would face their own resistance. And I didn't make that mean anything about me. How could that mean, how could someone else's experience mean something about you, right? There's this book I read a long, long time ago and I would highly recommend it to anyone called The Four Agreements and one of the by Don Miguel Ruiz. And one of the four agreements is, to not take anything personally. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Um, And that's one of the hardest things that we have as human beings. It's because our life based up until this point was, is the culmination of so many experiences, so many thoughts, so many beliefs, you know, DNA coding, ancestral behavior. I mean, so on and so forth. There's like a million beliefs around how we get to be and function the way we are. And then we act in a way to a person who may have triggered us when they might have just been stating their own experience, right? This is my own direct experience. And then we feel offended. We're off and we're ready to go have a drink again. But when we don't take anything personally, we can objectively, just like we view our own thoughts from the witness and from being objective, we can objectively look and say, okay, this person is telling me something based on their own experience, and this is how we create better relationships, right? And so this is what the act of co-listening is, as of nonviolent communication, is being able to listen without responding, being able to hear the, the other person to understand that their direct experience is different than yours. And you don't need another person to justify your experience to know that what you did was what you knew how to do in the moment, but you can still validate their experience too. And this happens so much of the time in romantic relationships out in the world. A lot of times with parents and children, this is, um, you know, people harbor wounds for a long time because it's like, I did the best I knew how to do so your experience isn't valid because of this. And so we all have to be able to open our minds, open our hearts to to know that everyone's having a different experience. Our minds and our are like a little world and a little universe unto themselves that live inside of us and we're all trying to figure it out together. And so instead of running to just have a drink, you claim personal responsibility as a tool for empowerment, not as a burden to bear, okay? So we call a thing a thing, literally like a seed by the story of confrontation, you have broken the skin and you can continue to grow. So you've like peeled a little bit of skin off, you were in the depths of um, the descent, 
in the in the soil and now you can emerge and you will still be questioning that story and the conditioned beliefs because alcohol is interwoven into every fiber of your life and it will continue to come up again and again even years later sometimes but you're going to be building the tools and the resilience and the neuro and the new pathways to um to see that and to handle and to confront it and to take personal responsibility. So now that you've seen it though, you've seen all of the ways that alcohol is showing up in your life and your relationship with it and um, why you, you know, why you drink and how you're choosing to drink, that it's not just this thing that's spontaneously happening. Um, it cannot be unseen, right? Once you confront the story, once you claim that, yes, I want to change my relationship with alcohol, you can't go back. Um, and if you do, you will just be taking up even more of your energy. It takes a lot of effort to lie to ourselves. Um, now we can harness that energy to use to fuel those belief that fueled those beliefs and turn them into that personal responsibility. So all of the energy, all of the thought work you were like holding on tight to, um, taking up that firm stance that no alcohol is a great thing for me, you know, which I believed for so long. And so many of my clients believed for so long, um, we hold on to that tooth and nail, but now that we can give it some lightness and let go, we now have more energy to fuel into future focus, right? Into handling emotions as they show up, to processing them. Personal responsibility is non-negotiable if you seek truth and real change. You don't get to decide when it's convenient for you. So we often say as humans, when we do an amazing thing, look at me, I did this amazing thing. <laughs> but when we, when something goes wrong or there is an outcome um, and a result that we don't like, we often look outside to blame the person, place, or thing. And we make all of these excuses why it didn't work out. And just instead of saying like, I'll just do it different next time, right? We're so scared of failure. And we just see all of this as it comes up around alcohol. We just see how it's ingrained into our culture in so many ways. And we are evolving, you guys. This is a good thing. There is so much on the horizon that, you know, for all of the terror and destruction and oppression that is out there, we as a species are evolving. This is the work you are doing for yourself to evolve in your own personal life that will make a change for the people that you love and for the world at large. I cannot emphasize that enough, how it changes you at, at a cellular level and it will change the DNA structure for the future generations. Our shame lives in our blood. Our stories live inside of us. And that's what, you know, there's work that people talk about with healing ancestral wounds because we carry those stories generation after generation. And by you doing this work now, even if you don't have a child, you can teach your children, you can teach the people around you um, by being an example of something different without standing, um, you know, in this high and mighty place, but with compassion and by getting ex people excited through inspired action, not you should be doing this, but hey, let's do this together. Here's some resources I have for you. Personal responsibility means being accountable for all of your thoughts, 
feelings, and actions, and therefore the results that come of them in every situation. So you freed those energies that were locked up (laughs) trying to believe that story that alcohol was serving you, the unconscious motivation and the unconscious motivation for why you were drinking all of those years, right? So you might've just had like, it's fun, it's my me time, it's my downtime, I love to party, it feels so great, it's the only way. But then you take a closer look at seeing why you're really drinking and it's really because you have a bad habit and it's because every time you get stressed out, you don't confront your emotions and it's because you were taught that that's the only, you know, you conditioned yourself to think that's the only way you can enjoy yourself with friends or with colleagues or Um, it's the only way you can feel comfortable because you haven't allowed yourself to experience emotion. We are emotionally stunted adults in our culture and probably in many cultures. How it plays out in your life, how, what are the, um, the, the extenuating results from your drinking. We know that it's not just a drink and I have a hangover. It rolls over into everything. What a lot of times, mostly what we're not doing, what we're not taking inspired action into, um, how it hasn't been serving you and why. So claiming your personal responsibility now, you can open up to the inner gifts you have innately and map out the path you need to walk to a fully realize these gifts. So the other inspired action that lives underneath all of the booze, that booze covers up so much. So you see now that it is no longer solving your problems, that saying alcohol is not serving me is a tool for empowerment, not shame. So I want you guys to know this. It is not a tool for shame. That the feelings that you're having now that you've confronted the story are there regardless if you drink or you don't drink. They go away and they don't go away. And the truthfully, they only get worse, right? You can ignore a feeling forever, but it is going to compile on top of itself until you face it, until you confront it. Unless you lie to yourself really, really good for a really long time. And, you know, it just festers into dis-ease in the body. So there's that too. Um, When I had first started really looking at personal responsibility, it's easy to say that, you know, that person or that situation made me feel a certain way. However, we always feel that way because of a preceding thought. So we think so quickly um, that we don't even know there was a thought. We just think we go to the emotion. So someone says something nasty to you, you feel like crap. You don't realize that there was a thought before that, but there always was. And we know that this is true, that there was a thought before the feeling because two people can have the exact same experience or the same circumstance, have two different thoughts, have two different feelings and two different actions or reactions. Um, and an example of this is, um, is a birthday we'll say. So, so you have a partner, it's your birthday. And I've had this happen to me before. Actually, I had a girlfriend who, um, 
She was very upset. My partner never plans anything for me for my birthday. I always plan something for their birthday and it's this big thing, so on and so forth. Well, this just wasn't this person's thing to plan birthdays. And um, my girlfriend has really high expectations anyway of the way she wants to celebrate her day. So it probably wouldn't be met anyway. Now for me, on the other hand, if someone doesn't plan my birthday for me, I'm ecstatic. I say, please don't plan my birthday because I want to do exactly what I want to do when I want to do it. I don't want to leave any room for error. I don't want to have to blame anyone. Um, this actually happened with my partner too <laughs> a couple of years ago. I had asked him like, do you want me to do something for your birthday or is there anything special you want to do? And when it was left up to me, he actually ended up being like pretty disappointed. And you know, because a lot of times you have like this big buildup in your head of the thoughts. So for him, it was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then whatever I offered him didn't meet his expectations. And so for me, someone not planning my birthday is awesome. For someone else, someone not planning their birthday makes them mean um, that they aren't thinking about them, that they don't love them. And then the emotion for me would be excited. The emotion for that person was disappointment. And then from there, the action would be, I'm going to do whatever I want and enjoy my day. And the action for the person that's disappointed um, you know, might be like sitting around and sulking and not enjoying their birthday. And then that's the result that they get is not enjoying their birthday. So this is like a pretty basic example or, you know, they sit around and drink all day and then they wake up the next day with a hangover. But you can see how you've seen this in real life, right? Where someone just shows up with grace, they're willing to have the tough conversations. I mean, this is the work Brene Brown's doing all the time. Like you show up, you have the tough conversations, you listen, you stay open. You've got to put yourself in the work, right? And so it's, it, I mean, I see this process now as a natural maturation process of just being mature enough to be like, hey, like, yeah, we don't, we, we don't have the same feelings about things. So am I going to blame you and drink or am I going to look at my own thoughts and say like, how can I handle this better? And what this isn't, isn't positive affirmation. Positive affirmation is, um, you know, affirmations can be a great reminder for how you want to be. But positive affirmations are also kind of these blanket statements of positivity that you just don't believe. And this work is about, first of all, feeling emotion, unwanted and wanted, and also finding thoughts that you already believe that inspire you, and then working new pathways to believe and regularly think on purpose thoughts that create better emotions more and more. So this isn't about not feeling um, negative emotion. This is about processing our emotions when it's hard. And it's not about choosing thoughts that are fake, that are positive affirmations. So that's what that's not. And we see this, we see it over and over again. We're like, wow, that person handled that really well. Or like, or you do something and you're like, oh my God, I was so scared to do that. That was so much easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, and that's what this work is all about. That's what this stage 
of our healing journey is all about. So this phase will create the foundation, and I said this earlier, for the framework for the rest of your life. If you can nail this, you can do anything. <laughs> I've got a couple things I'm still working on, but... You know, you can't do it all overnight, but you show up and even the stuff that you have to, that you still want to work on, um, there's a couple relationships that I would like to create better and more fulfilling and have some more dialogue there. But um, I haven't kind of got to it yet, but instead of sitting and reeling with it, I've just set it aside. And so I don't make it mean anything. I don't, I try not to let it affect my thoughts, I'm very aware of the thoughts that I think about them and I'm in control, but I would like to go further. I'd like to have more conversation, more vulnerability, more discourse, and I'm just not quite there yet, um, but I'm doing the kind of pre-work to get myself there. And so it's all a stage, but I've confronted the story within myself. I've taken res- personal responsibility for my thoughts, feelings, and actions. And then there's the next stage where, you know, we... Um, where we come out to actually claim, to actually claim our place without fear um, and without excuses. And that's the, the piece of the resolution. So there's layers and like the truth is, is that this cycle of healing is the cycle of healing and journey you're going to go through for alcohol, but you may repeat it several times with a different story that shows up for you. And it's that healing journey, that cyclical journey that you'll do again and again and again, but you'll be able to do it with greater ease each time because you get stronger, because your capacity for showing up for yourself is invited. And because you know it works and it's like way better than just sitting around drinking, feeling like crap all the time and feeling like you have no control over your life. This part of the journey puts you in charge, not of the things that you don't and will never have control over in the outer world, including things like weather and other people's actions like we just talked about, but what you do have control over, how you respond to the circumstances of your life. So, you know, for example, a circumstance of my life the other day was my partner's car was broke when he went to work, so he took my car. So that was a circumstance. That was a fact that anyone could agree on. So it will, So my thoughts, feelings, and actions, though, about that circumstances were my personal responsibility. There was no one else in control of those but me. This creates a cycle that we repeat over and over again. So it's just simply a universal principle of how we achieve the results we most desire in our lives. So if the result that I wanted to have on that day was to leave the property, I had to decide what thoughts, feelings, and actions were going to get me there. If it wasn't going to be my car, I could have, you know, called a cab Or what we ended up doing was we ended up going for a walk on the nature trail behind the house. We didn't get to get in a car and leave, but we did get to leave the property. So, and if there was no way to do that, um, then it would have to be, well, what are my, if my circumstance was I can't leave the house, then I would have to decide how did I want to think, feel, and act based on that circumstance. This really is the cycle of how we create our reality, you know, like that energetic imprint. Our thoughts become the way we see the world and how we interpret it. So thoughts, 
feelings, actions. A thought is one statement in your brain. A feeling is an emotion that causes great sensation in the body. So we have um, these chemical reactions from thoughts or memories that then create a surge in the body that create um, an emotion. And I'm going to read you guys something from uh, Joe Dispenza who talks about this really brilliantly. One of the main reasons we often drink is because we don't know how to process emotions. We have been conditioned to feel good and that's and that sad means bad. So Joe Dispenza says, when you think a thought or have a memory, a biochemical reaction begins in your brain, causing the brain to release certain chemical signals. That is how immaterial thoughts literally become matter. They become chemical messengers. These chemicals signal your body. um, These chemical signals make your body feel exactly the way you were just thinking. Isn't that amazing? So he continues, once you notice you are feeling a particular way, when you generate more thoughts equal to how you're feeling, then you release more chemicals from your brain to make you feel the way you've been thinking. For example, if you have a fearful thought, you start to feel fear. The moment you feel fear, that emotion influences you to think more fearful thoughts. We've all been there and created more anxiety from one thought. And those thoughts trigger the release of even more chemicals in the brain and body that makes you continue to feel fear. The next thing you know, you get caught in a loop where thinking creates feeling and your feeling creates thinking. So you just keep going around and around. If thoughts are the vocabulary of the brain and feelings are the vocabulary of the body and the cycle of how you think and how you feel become your state of being, then your entire state of being is in the past. (laughs) So to truly change, we have to change how we think and how we feel in the moment, not based on the past results of our life, right? And so that's why you're here because you know and you believe in possibility. When you do this, you begin to change the energy of electromagnetic fields you are broadcasting. When you change your energy, you change your life. And he asks, what does the future you feel um, for future you feel like, what do they think like, and what do they say to themselves? Become that person. Thank you, Joe Dispenza. And I really love him because he t- does talk about that electromagnetic field, right? So we could go from the same situation to the same situation of not achieving the results we want. And if we carry that, carry that same thought and feeling loop with us, then the way that we are responded to in the world, um, in that situation, we're going to be sending off those same electromagnetic vibes. And, um, the practice of Kundalini yoga talks about this a lot. And so I've had a lot of different influences of the work that I do stemming mostly from a yogic perspective. Um, but there's more and more science to support this. Um, now, even 5,000 years later, after the yogis knew so um, brilliantly what, um, because they were able to just embody it and test it and see it. And um, I couldn't just be more grateful to have explored that practice from a young age because I truly believe it is what kept me, it was my tether. <laughs> um, 
that and my own internal resources, but they, but the practice of yoga really expanded my internal resources from really going off the deep end, from always having that inkling that um, there was so much more to this life because I could feel it embodied through my yoga practice. And so, anyway, Dr. Joe Dispenza, and I'll put um, his, I'll put everyone I reference in the show in the show notes. Um, so based on that example, when we think sad is bad, then we start to feel sadder and then we continue to think more sad thoughts and then we feel even more sad and that, that turns into depression or grief and then we continue to think those thoughts and it just keeps going around and around and around. Um, another part of resisting emotion is not wanting to confront the story, what we make it mean about us. And we have already talked about this last week, but this creates that spiral. Um, we cannot get out of until we are willing to see the process, the emotion. So how do we interrupt it as we slow down to see our thoughts? We have to put the brakes on and say, whoa, I just traveled on the super highway, of the thought feeling uh, spiral, let me just sit and watch this and breathe for a second. There's no one right way to do this, but feel it, right? Observe it, become that witness. I believe you can allow it to move through you with positive results, but you have to become aware of being aware. I also believe that through the act of movement and embodiment, we can also process our emotions. And this is a little bit different than some people, other coaches would believe because that might feel like an avoidance or a distraction, but it all depends on how you're doing it. So if you can move um, and let your emotion guide you and be still witness to it, you can also process that in that way. And that is... Um, a practice of embodied emotion or um, a lot of conscious dance movements and the practice of like a more spontaneous yoga practice, which is a little bit more advanced. Um, not that anyone couldn't do it right now, but it just takes that understanding and that vulnerability to allow your emotions to actually direct your movement. So from the place of feeling, whatever stage you're in, there is an action. So there's a response or a reaction. This is where the fight, flight, or freeze often comes in, or now that we're learning, the allowing. And because we haven't been taught emotional health <laughs> and without confronting the emotion, our action can be of avoidance, replacement, resistance, often leading to drinking alcohol. And this can be for so many things. This doesn't have to be the most negative of all negative things. This just can be, I am feeling a little uncomfortable because I'm used to holding a drink in my hand and lowering my inhibitions a little bit in this environment, or I'm not sure what to say to this person. So um, without an, a drink, you are you know, you're tensing up, you're clenching your jaw, everything inside of you is tightening and gripping and you're going into that thought feeling loop. Without confronting the emotion, our actions become avoid, replace, resist. So you have a thought, it triggers an emotion that you do not want to feel. You respond to your unwanted feelings 
the way you always have by having a drink to avoid them, to ease the pain, um, that you don't know how to process them. So your action is to drink. Now, sometimes anxiety and excitement are often um, two things that I see clients kind of mix up. Um, like you're going to a concert, right? But this is also maybe a habitual, um, a habitual conditioned response. So you get super excited, you're getting ready, you're putting your makeup on, you put some music on. And so you're excited about what's about to happen. And that triggers the response to want to drink. But if you really break down anxiety and excitement, um, with a sensory exploration or an allowing a processing of emotions, you'll see that the feelings, the actual sensations in the body are very, very similar. So the chemical reactions are very much the same, leading to similar thinking patterns. And so I won't go into that right now, but that is just something to notice in yourself because I see it. I used to do it. It happens over and over again with clients where it's like, oh, but I'm just excited. This is fun. And your heart is racing a little bit. And so it's an ungrounded feeling, right? Now you have created a habit and a conditioned pattern regardless. So a triggering thought, negative emotion, drink. Triggering thought, negative emotion, drink. So that's the pattern of the conditioned mind. Once you have that cue or um, that association trigger that we've talked about before. So this just keep re- keeps going on repeat over and over and over again until that groove in your brain is so worn. And then sometimes there will be you know something that's really dramatic um, that you've never confronted. But even if it's a new situation or a new thought your natural response um, of stress of that chemical is to then have a drink. So you're triggered, (laughs) negative emotion, drink, repeat. When you have a thought next time that triggers you, using personal responsibility, ask, is this true? Is this thought even true? It's a great question. Yes or no? It may or may not be. And then how do I know this is true? Just giving yourself some examples. Where is this information coming from? So is it something that you had firsthand experience with? Um, is it a story you heard on the the ever so popular news that is full of just nothing but facts? Um, you know, was it secondhand from a person? Was it on a social media post? You know, questioning where are these thoughts coming from? Is it just something you decided based on a past experience? So we're working with firsthand experiences in front of us, embodied experiences. This is how we want to live our life. Not based on the past, not based on what our mother told us, not based on anything, but what we are living, right? And so when you kind of gather these facts to interrupt this um this thought feeling cycle, um, thought feeling drink cycle, you, it kind of lessens the blow a little bit when you can kind of place some of these things. This is why I teach my clients often to chart, um, their cycles, their menstrual cycles, because it, 
when you are in control of that part of your life, you can so easily start to place like, wow, this is like really out of character for me. And you can see where you're at in your cycle. And you're like, okay, at this time every month, I usually do feel a little bit more sensitive. Maybe I should um, choose some thoughts that'll be more supportive of that. Like, yeah, actually I'm feeling really tired. So going out to see a friend isn't the best idea right now. So I'm just going to take care of myself. So I'm not, I'm staying grounded in my emotions and my, in my thoughts. I'm not in this like heightened state when hormonally I'm already adding to that. And so I hope that makes sense, but it's, if you're not charting your cycle and regardless if you are actually, if you actually bleed or not, you do still have a cycle. Um, and I would highly recommend charting it um, for the month. So <laughs> this lessens the blow. Then you allow the feeling, right? You question all these things. You get a little curious. You feel the feeling. You take a few deep breaths and you let it and you allow it. Now, this is where I come into play as a coach because this can be really challenging work to start off with because you are not able to always pinpoint these thoughts. You're like, I don't know, this is just what I think. And so unless you really take the time to sit down and write them out, it can be a frustrating process. So I help you spot the thoughts that you can't see because either you've avoided them for so long, you believe that they're true, you don't even know where they come from, or you've just thought this so many times that you can't even recognize a single thought. Sometimes thinking about thinking can be just mind-bending you and you know, there's times when it's easier than others, but I do this a lot and there's definitely times why, and this is why I love the embodied practice because it really helps switch the, the chemicals in the body um, instantly in a way where the thoughts um, really just start to slip um, and you become detached from them much quicker. And so, and so, and I'm not saying avoid thoughts, but instead of having to like struggle to find the thought, you can interrupt the pattern because why not interrupt the pattern if you have multiple ways to do it instead of drinking? And, um, you know, this is my own personal practice and this is the practice that I teach my clients is we can interrupt the pattern of thought feeling with movement um, and come back to it later if it means the difference between having a drink or not having a drink. And so I would always recommend... Um, not doing what it takes to not have the drink as long as it's not really forcing you in um into this like into an, a, a worse feeling place right so the embodiment piece is getting fresh air doing a little like sun salutation yoga even getting yourself in a child's pose or jumping into a bath um dancing and so all of those things can very easily interrupt that thought feeling cycle with that action before you can like change a new thought. I mean, you are having the thought to say, I should dance right now. I'm going to move. But if that becomes a way that you interrupt yourself before having a drink, then you will create um, a new cycle in that way. And I think that that is just perfect. I think that that's totally fine. However, we do still want to figure out what those thoughts are that are creating that really intense emotion anyway. So we want to be able to pinpoint what the actual 
um, thought, feeling cycle was to get you to that point. What was the trigger? What was the thought that triggered it? Um, or what was the circumstance that triggered the thought? <clears throat> so that is where a coach comes in and it can be such enlightening, fun, inspiring work that if you haven't signed up for your um, one-on-one alignment session, I'm not sure why, but you definitely should go to my website and do that because you will get so much insight from one session and not even that alone, being able to share your story with someone and talk to someone about this who is a completely neutral bystander and only has your best interest in mind just is one of those things that you're confronting the story. So it gives up, it makes so much more space in your brain and in your energy body. The point of this work isn't to simply feel better. It's to learn how to feel and that you don't have to live on an emotional roller coaster where you feel like you're never in control. So you have highs, you have lows, and you can't pinpoint when they're happening and you don't know why. You can see now how you've gotten to where you are, right? Circumstance, and then you have a triggering, that's the trigger, then you have the thought, and then you have a negative emotion, and then the drink, and then the repeat. And it just keeps happening. And when you don't confront the story, you can't get to this place of taking personal responsibility. So now that you can see more clearly, um, and from the two previous stages, you can start to take personal responsibility that a drink isn't just happening, right? It's not just like your arm is flying away, <laughs> and pouring a drink. It's part of the thoughts becoming results cycle. So that whole flow. Once you see this, you can't unsee it either. At first, it's, you know, you're kind of like, shit, I can't get away with anything anymore because you're like, that's a thought. That was, you know, that's a choice that I make. So when you start to slow it down, you realize like, okay, I know that the weather is shitty, but I can turn this around and it's up to me. Um, and so you can't get away with anything anymore, but you gain so much more control in the end, right? Because it's kind of like the little things that, and you're, yeah, your life just gets better because you make different decisions to, and you feel better. Um, so it becomes a tool for empowerment because you are less afraid to feel the emotions. So you sit with them and you question them and you're like, okay, can I turn this around? How? When I think about it now, it seems silly that I ever really avoid emotions to such a great ex extent. They literally can cause you like no harm. Emotion cannot kill you. A feeling cannot physically hurt you in that way. Now, I do know, and I've experienced this myself, it can create a very, very strong sensation in your body. There is deep traumatic memories to process in the body that can create massive shaking, anxiety, deep grief, um, and you should process this these kinds of things with a professional. Absolutely, 100%. Give them the time they deserve these emotions if you need support and you need someone around you. But at the end of the day, releasing this 
um, is what is going to take you to the next level where you're in control. You're allowing and your willingness to feel emotions is going to take your life further and bring you back into control of whatever circumstance was out of your control. So this is the process to tap into that can can expedite years of therapy. It did for me. And it's like, I can still look at those things like I was talking about with certain relationships. I can still look at those. I can set them down, but it's I'm not going to let it hold me back from doing what I want to do in this moment. I'm not going to allow it to keep me in the drinking cycle because of what happened with someone else's choices that affected me in the past. Hell no, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> there, um, and so this happens for my clients. They, we like skip ahead, we expedite the process, we feel feelings, and we get on with it, and then we keep coming back to confronting the stories that come up as we are unraveling our relationship with alcohol. And so this is the process. So you said the thing, you confronted it. And then you can still be in the process of that. But in the meantime, it's your time. There is no reason to let alcohol steal any more of it from you than it already has or anyone else for that matter that made decisions that affected you in a negative way. Now that you know, you can start to choose your thoughts on purpose. It is one of the hardest things for many people to wrap their minds around but it is possible once you slow down and you and you can see that every preceding feeling and action has a thought to it. So you can be sad if someone says something mean to you, but you don't need to make it mean anything. It's your responsibility to choose how to proceed. So you could have, and I've, we've all had this happen where one thing happens in the beginning of the day and it just ruins the rest of your day. And then you've had an instance that was outside of your control, a circumstance that happened and you're like, whatever. And you just got on with your day. You had to go to work. You had other things to do. And it wasn't like you just ignored it, but you processed it. You thought about it in a different way. So, you know, other than children, and I will even argue that, we have no control over for of what other people think, feel, and act. We don't. We cannot control anyone, and who wants to? I have a hard enough time controlling my four-year-old. I have no interest in controlling other people's behavior. I don't want to be responsible for anyone else besides myself. Now, do we wish other people would act differently? Absolutely, and we're seeing that in a really big way with the way certain things are being run around here. But we don't have control over how they act. We have control over how we think, feel, and act. And so then we take the inspired action to do what we can to influence change. And so we know this because we talked about this earlier. We can say or do the same. The two people can do the same things and they will respond completely differently based on their experience. And so... Here's kind of a full, like another full example, and we'll just use children, for example. So my little boy. So he, and this is like not super stressful. This is like a pretty easy one, but it is something that a lot of parents get stressed out. We say the same thing to our kids over and over again, so we can almost not breathe anymore. And it's like, they don't care. They're not getting it right now, right? Doesn't mean we don't teach them, but... There's milestones. And who is it stressing out more? You, right? So there's clothes all over the floor. My thought is 
He never listens to me. From that, there's frustration. My feeling, my emotion is frustration. And what happens from frustration is I yell. I told you to pick these up, blah, 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 so on and so forth. So then he runs and hides under the bed and I have a drink. That's the result that I get from that one thought. He never listens to me. Or <laughs> there's clothes all over the floor. And I think, you know, he doesn't care if this is done. He's four, but I do. What does that invoke? That invokes a sense of lightness, a feeling of control. So I pick up the clothes. There's no yelling. There's no hiding. And instead, we walk out of the room together and we hold hands and go outside and play. Now, which scenario seems more desirable, right? The latter, of course. And you just have to catch yourself when you do these. What is not what are the results that you want in your life that you are not seeing? And the reason, you know, that we can look at that and also in line with alcohol is because alcohol so much of the time is the result that we get. We just, or it's the action and then the result. We have a drink and then the result is that we're, we're, we're drinking and we're still not getting, getting what we want. And there are so many ways that we can interpret a situation from our thoughts that we've interpreted before. Like you're not sitting around thinking crappy thoughts all the time. I know this. And so, and then that can make a new feeling to create a new action different from, from drinking. So this is the process. You guys got it. Week three, claiming personal responsibility and it is a 100% universal principle <clears throat> that you choose your thoughts. So in this moment right now, think of a circumstance that is out of your control. There are being brought to our attention and it's been pretty blatant for oh all of existence that there are major injustices in a world and in an advanced society that don't line up, right? They've never lined up, injustices never lined up, but from the circumstance of injustice. What are your thoughts about it that can create the result that we most want to take the inspired action? So that is a place to look from, or you can hide behind alcohol and you know just decide to let things continue the way that they are in your life in whatever way that that shows up for you. So we know thoughts are subjective based on all of the things that have led up to your life in that moment. And that's why coaching is an interruption of all of that. So we don't just let the patterns of our outer circumstances and our conditioned behavior dictate our lives. Our educational system and societal structures have created this way and it keeps the people kind of dull, blaming one another, not questioning life. But once you become the creator of your reality, there is no stopping you. You first have to make the decision to do so. So we did that. That is why I always emphasize that it's not the action or the result that creates the feeling. It is your thoughts about it. You can have the entire world adore you 
and all, and you can have all of the things that you have ever wanted, but if you think that you are a piece of shit or if the weather sucks or you can never get ahead or your mother is always nagging you and your husband doesn't remember or your father could have been more comforting or your kids could pick up their toys more, it will never create the feeling no matter what you have. So we always think, oh, if I could just have this job, if I could just have that. Wherever you go, you take your mind and that is your responsibility. Even when we are faced with grave injustices, you can still have the thoughts that take, you can have the thoughts that take over your mind or um, that the thought can inspire you into action, a thought that can inspire you into action, even if there's rage or anger, if you allow it and if you witness it. So there's some... um, you know, emotions that aren't super useful, which are um, standing on principle. And we've talked about this before. It's like, do we want to stand on principle or do we want to kind of like face the truth? Because a lot of times we stand on principle of these ingrained beliefs that are just not serving us or anyone else. And so those aren't great places to take inspired action from because you're going to be moving from a place of untruth. So you really have to look at where the feeling is in order to see, is this action really the action in alignment with my highest self? And that's why we have the life intention. So there are some nuances to understanding this because we can be like confident, like, oh yeah, this is it. This is it. I'm not listening to anyone. I'm in control. I know what thoughts I'm thinking. And then we take action that isn't from the place of our highest self. And so you kind of check in with the feeling first. And um, because a lot of times that can also be a habitual pattern for you um, that might not even be leading to drinking, right? When we start to move from that place of personal responsibility, we see that even having undesired feelings is a good thing because they cue us into how we want to take action, what we are unwilling to see, and how we can change our thoughts. So welcome every emotion. This is the human experience. We're here to feel. If we weren't here to feel, we wouldn't have feelings. So they cue us in to how to respond, right, without to without being to our detriment um but the emotional processing must be there to achieve the results you most desire our thoughts are chosen i can't emphasize this enough so i you know we've talked about this is you know that's just a thought right um when you say something to yourself like it's broadcasting like the beliefs and the facts of everyone Um, but it's not giving you the desired result that you want, then you can be like, okay, that's just a thought. And that's like really when you are doing the self-coaching work and when you start working with a coach, you can start to cue those things into yourself and they kind of become humorous how many of those you think often. Um, But then they start, it starts to get easier and better and you don't have so many of those um, like kind of complaining victim type of thoughts We have 60,000 thoughts a day and something around 90% of them are the same day after day. So they become habits to get you through your day. You're unaware that they're even happening. 
When you brush your teeth, you drive a car, you pour a drink, there are many thoughts leading up to that. Drinking just never happens. There was always a decision made, a series of thoughts that got the alcohol into your body. Um, And so here's one kind of final example of what a person could be thinking at any given time that isn't creating the desired results that they want. So it's raining out. There's nothing to do. I'm bored. I might as well drink. I can't make any new friends during quarantine. There is no way I can do this work with my schedule. It's just too busy and I have no alone time. I have failed every other time. What will be the difference? One drink won't hurt. Why can't I just be like everybody else? So there are your thoughts, right? And what kind of feelings did these provoke when you hear them? Not awesome ones. Frustrated, disappointment. From this place, you can see how there is little room for inspired action. You're just going to kind of keep in the same sock spiral and just keep drinking. So when you answer the question, what does this mean about me? What are in, you know, around these these thoughts that you're thinking, your answers could be habitual, that you're weak, that I'm an alcoholic, that I can't control myself, that I have a really bad habit, that I love to party, that I love the head change. So you just, these are just thoughts. So these thoughts will all invoke a different emotion for different people, but it's in claiming your personal responsibility for your actions feelings and thoughts that you plant the seeds to continue to grow into that version of yourself where you can live into your dreams and your highest self. I believe that any other way besides direct action and accountability keeps untruths shadowing our potential to be fully realized and to understanding feelings. So here are some questions for this week to ponder, and I'll make sure to leave them in the show notes for your self-inquiry, self-at-home um, study. So how do I feel in any moment when you're you know, processing this, this whole personal responsibility um, framework? So expand your vocabulary. So not just sad, bad, so maybe like, you can look up a list of feelings. It'll be, you'll be amazed, like really get detailed. And how do you feel? Lifeless, um, hollow, empty, um, elated, you know, uh, enchanted. And then why do you feel this way? So I'll just go with the example of lifeless, the weather outside. So that's our circumstance. And then Um, about what situation or circumstance. So get really specific um, from that. And here comes our thoughts, right? So it's the weather. It's raining out again. It's 50 degrees in June. I can't take my little boy anywhere because of quarantine. Um, And so those were the thoughts that created this emotion. So what were the thoughts that created that emotion? So you can do this over and over and over again when you have an emotion show up or you have your trigger show up. This is the personal responsibility of the work that you need to do to start to examine, not just observe, but to examine and get to the root of the thought, right? So we start with the observation piece, we confront the story. Now we need to get curious about it. Um, How do I show up when I feel this way or what actions do I take? I move slowly, maybe I pour a drink, I get on the internet, I kind of avoid my son, I might lay down, maybe I take a nap, maybe I watch YouTube for a little bit, Um, eat some chocolate, have another drink. 
Uh, and what are the sensations of this emotion in my body? Heaviness, achiness, dull, um, kind of just like blah, right? If I allow them and stay in this place of observation, will they change? And so that's just a question. So you can sit and feel them and allow them to just watch what happens. I'm feeling uninspired and that is okay. And then you ask yourself, so how do I want to feel? And this doesn't mean that you have to change your emotion, but how do you want to feel? I want to feel energized because this rain is making me feel lifeless. I know at least one thought, and this is like the bridging, this is such a great bridge thought to take you from where you are to where you want to be. I know at least one thought that will take me in the direction I want to go in. We always know at least one right next step, right? And that starts with a thought. So taking one step in the right direction. What people, and then here is a list that you're going to create that you can kind of tap into when you're, if you might be in a negative thought spiral and be like, eh, nothing sounds good. I don't know. I don't know anyone. I don't have any friends, blah, blah, blah. We've all been there where it's like, no one can tell us anything. Everything sounds terrible. Well, when you're feeling awesome, you're going to make a list so that you can go back and prove to yourself that yes, you have an amazing life. People love you and there is inspired action around you. And even if that is getting onto a Facebook group to just chat with someone for a couple of minutes or DMing someone or sending someone a text. So especially during quarantine, I am not a huge phone talker, but I have had a lot of one-on-one -on -one phone conversations and more texting with a lot of my friends than I normally do. And it's been super supportive. But I had to have the thought to get me there, not the thought it won't matter anyway. So I know one next step in the right um, direction. So you have this list, what people, places, and things bring me the truest joy. And so then a thought would be, nature always makes me feel better. It's never as bad as it looks outside, as it looks once I get out there. So, and Emmett loves exploring. We have so much fun outside and the green is so much brighter when it rains. It's been very rainy here. So this was like a real life example, but there is so much green. Like it, you can't be mad about the rain because it's like abundant and gorgeous. We've just started like paying attention to the nuances of the shades of green. And we were actually talking about making a list of different and coming up with new different colors of green, but it wouldn't be this green without the rain. I mean, I probably would rather have it be green like this than like brown and dry. Although I really do want the sun, but I'm not letting it get me down because it really, we have a greenhouse that we get to walk out to and we have a nature trail and we have coats. And like, I always think this is another thought. I think if this is the worst thing that happens to me, I'm doing really well. And I use this often when I'm having to do like customer service phone calls. Um, and it really flips the script. Like when you have to do something like a return or a charge on your credit card or like, I don't know, I had books stolen. I have to like deal with the librarian. And it's just like, if this is the worst thing that happens to me, even though it might suck, I'm still doing okay. Like most of the worst things that happen to us aren't that bad. And so putting things into perspective, 
is also a really good way to like lighten your load a little bit and lighten that, um, lighten up that feeling thought spiral. So a couple of other things I'm going to have you answer pre, <laughs> um, you know, pre, um, personal responsibility, um, question so that you can you have some things to prove to yourself to go back because when we're in those thought spirals it's really easy to um to find proof of all of the reasons that those negative things are true and this is called confirmation bias where we will find all of the reasons why we can't quit alcohol we'll find all of the reasons why everything's terrible but if you have a list and you have proof of it beforehand then you can't get away with it <laughs> so um so what are the people places and things that bring me the truest joy what brings satisfaction fulfillment pleasure and then highlight your gifts what are your talents and gifts and I know this will be hard for some of you and I know this this was a lot of information but this personal responsibility piece is what we need to start practicing to get inspired to stay on the track of seeing some new results in our lives. So about your abilities and your skills, what are your interests? What inspires you? And from there, you just, again, you notice, okay, wow, this is a negative thought. I want to go drink, or I'm sorry, this is like a negative emotion. And then you go write this down. And then I have all of the questions here that are going to walk you through this personal responsibility flow of how am I feeling? What was the circumstance that created that? What were my thoughts about this circumstance? How do I want to feel? What is one next thought I can have in that direction? If you can't figure out one, can I allow this emotion? What are the sensations of this emotion actually in my body? I am so proud of you for getting this far. If you haven't done the work yet, seriously do the work. Get it out of your head. It makes it so much easier than carrying it around. I will think about a thought and repeat it to my partner a million times before I write it down. And it's so annoying and it's so frustrating. And once I get it down and I write it out, it's a confronting, it's like another piece of confronting the story. It just gives me so much room. Please send in your questions, comments, and feedback. I really need them for my final episode. So send them in. I want to help you. And I want, like, you guys know how supportive the interviews are. And so your personal feedback for everyone else is going to be so super supportive and for yourself too, because I want to make sure that I am, you know, that if you have any questions about this work, that you're getting it answered as you're doing it, because I want to make sure that this work is helping you. It means so much to me to have more empowered women in the world taking personal responsibility so that we can change the future. We can change our lives. We can get off of the drinking wagon and get on to throwing a better freaking party than we've ever knew we could have. And the world seems topsy-turvy right now, but I am telling you, this is because everything is being illuminated right now. And you know what? Do we really want to go back to the way things were? No, we don't. We don't want to go back to sitting and drinking outside of a dive bar um, for happy hour for hours 
talking about the same shit that we always talked about. Okay. That might not be you, but that was me. (laughs) That was me pre-baby. And it was not fun. It was never fun. I don't want to do that again. I love my life. And I've been a very kind of solo since quarantine with my family, but I am so grateful for it. And I am so freaking grateful for every day that I choose not to drink alcohol. And now I don't even choose not to drink because I just don't even think about it anymore. And that is amazing. And it is mind blowing and it can happen to you too. I promise you that. Have a beautiful, wonderful day. If you are not signed up, And on my newsletter or my email list, please do that. All you have to do is go to my website, marywagstaffcoach.com, and you can get access to the five essential shifts to changing your relationship with alcohol. But then that will also get you on my email list. You can also get the meditation portal and sign up for a one-on-one consultation. We'll do an alignment session. We'll look at one of your values and how it's way out of alignment with your drinking so that you can start to see how some of these thoughts are, you're just holding on to them because they're comfortable, but they're not serving you. And working towards this place of personal responsibility where they just slowly start to slip away. I will talk to you next week. Enjoy this week's interview on Friday. Reach out and I can't wait to talk to you soon. Bye-bye. The process of unraveling your story outside of the confines of alcohol is truly a sacred and beautiful journey of the self. Rediscover who you are in a whole new world again. Stop by my website, Mary Wagstaff Coach. to get instant access to the on-demand workshop of my revolutionary five shifts approach. And while you're there, you can sign up for a one-on-one consultation where we will create together your life intention. This is the framework for which all of your decisions around alcohol are made from your truest and highest self. In addition to working remotely worldwide, I host private one-on-one healing retreats at my sanctuary in Mount Hood, Oregon. I can't wait to connect.